Well, I'm grateful for the opportunity this morning to share the Word of God at UBC, and anywhere for that matter. The Bible says, when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. And so I thank God today for the opportunity to teach His Word. And I can say that I preach exactly the same if there are two people or 300 people, because uh, I believe in, in the value of each person. I really believe that. Um, sometimes the Pacific Art Mission, our classes have two or three people, and there are times when there are three or four hundred people in the auditorium. And I believe I preach the same way every time, uh, because God's not moved by crowds. He's moved by individual people. So I do believe that every person is important to God. And it is my prayer that the message this morning will encourage every person. I really believe that. I've been preaching now for 14 years. This is the first time I've ever preached a sermon Sunday morning on angels. So I'm going to be honest, I'm a little nervous myself about this, a little apprehensive, but I truly believe God led me to preach this. And I had a sermon in mind for Monday, and, and you know how when you're preparing for messages, God kind of pulls your heart in another direction. And I thought to myself, how is that going to work? How am I going to teach on angels in half an hour? So brace yourself, put your seatbelt on, hopefully this will work out. I'm going to take my book now. I'm going to start off by doing this. I need this. So, <laughs> hey, Matt. Um, and I have an excuse for that. I'm actually preaching at a, a Grace Conference next month, so that's my excuse. So I need a book on Awakening Grace. I'm going to put that back. I'm not going to do that. No, actually, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put that right here. <laughs> Amen. I want to begin by just pausing and praying as we look at God's word this morning. Father God in heaven, Lord, we come this morning to your throne of grace in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be together for a time of fellowship. And I pray that we will never take that for granted. For when two or three are gathered together in your name, you are in the midst. You tell us your word to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to encourage one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. We pray now a blessing upon this message, this teaching, this sermon on the ministry of the holy angels. And I pray that this will be an encouragement to all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13, But unto which of the angels saith he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be the heirs of salvation? So as you think about the ministry of the holy angels, the truth is today when God moves, Satan does sometimes respond. When God moves, Satan responds. And, and what I mean by that is the consistent pattern of the word of God throughout the scriptures in the Old and New Testament is that every significant move of God seems to be preceded by a season of increasing difficult and discouraging opposition. I'm sure many today can testify to that. When God was about to do something in your life, there seemed to be a very strong pressure that you can't always articulate. And it's, it's a, something going on in the spirit world. If we take Ephesians chapter 6, for example, and Daniel 10, and other war, warfare passages of Scripture seriously, we can understand why that happens. God is invading what Satan considers his territory. God's kingdom is breaking through the lines of the domain of darkness. And whenever that happens, there's a very real spiritual war. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have an opportunity in the Old Testament. We see it seems like God has given us a glimpse into the spirit realm in Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel 10, it's in your verse sheet, the first um, four verses there, 10 to verse 14. The Bible says, And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees, and upon the palm of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thy soul before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for, to, for thy words. Verse 13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, uh-oh, withstood me one in twenty days. Who is the prince of the kingdom of Persia? Well, I think we have some insight here. Look at the rest of the verse. It says, below, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So as the prophet Daniel was praying and fasting and seeking God, there was a very real war going on in the spirit realm. And I believe that happens even today. When you're praying and reading God's word, and in some cases fasting, as many do here at UBC, and I'm encouraged by that. You know there are some churches get upset when you talk about praying and fasting. Amen. I was at a church and the pastor corrected me. Amen. And said, that's not for today. Well, that's not true. That is for today. The Bible says some things come only by prayer and by fasting. So as Daniel was praying and fasting, there was a real war going on between an angel and a demon. And this spirit was so strong, they had to call on Michael. So there was a real war going on in the spirit realm as the man of God was praying and seeking God's face. I want to encourage you today to continue to pray, to continue to fast, to continue to seek God's face. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So to think about the ministry of the holy angels, there are 108 references to angels in the Old Testament, 165 in the New Testament. The English word for the word angel means messenger. This term can refer to spiritual beings without the physical body and human messengers as we see in the first three chapters of Revelation. So what does the Bible say about the ministry and work of the holy angels. We learn from scripture that the holy angels are bright in appearance. The Bible says in Luke 24 and verse four, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet were as the pillars of fire. So we learn from Scripture that the angels were bright in appearance. Why is that important to us today? 
well, we're not angels, but as believers, we should have a light. The Bible says, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I've experienced that. I see that firsthand. People can see God in you. They don't always know what it is. They can't always articulate it, but they'll tell you something like this. There is something different about you. It seems like you have a light in you. This is what people said about me. I'm, talking, I'm testifying. It's like you have a light in you. They might not even be saved, but they can tell there is something about your countenance, your spirit. And this is, again, this is not always walking around. And let me say this to encourage you. Whenever someone said that to me, I didn't have a big King James Bible, and I wasn't blasting them. Okay? I wasn't convicting. I wasn't telling them how sinful they were, and you need to go to, get, go to church, get right with God. You can have a quiet strength. Amen. We don't always have to vocalize our faith. There are times we have to witness, of course, and share the gospel. I understand that. There is a time for that. But what I'm trying to articulate is there there are times God can use you without you saying a word. Your spirit will speak for yourself sometimes. Your countenance, the spirit of God in you, will communicate that message. So there was a brightness about the, the, the angels. What happens sometimes with the saints is that we allow the devil to put that light out. We allow the devil to put that light out through depression. We allow the devil to sometimes put that light out through fear. We allow the enemy to put that light out, and in some cases through our own sinful habits and strong goats. And so the Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you and run with patience the race that is set before you. I'm saying that today to say this, the world needs you and I. The truth is God says that you and I are salt and we are light. As dark as the world is, it would be much darker if we were not here. So I want to encourage today, Christian, let your light shine. Don't let your coworkers intimidate you. Don't let your family intimidate you. Be bold for Christ. Be a testimony. Be a light in this dark world. We have to stop letting everyone intimidate us. And let's be honest here today. If we look at today's culture and the news and the media, no one's afraid but us. Amen. Everyone else is bold about what they believe and how they're going to live their lives and what they think. We're the only ones in the cave hiding. It's time for Elijah to come out the cave. It's time for the men of God to come out the cave. It's time for the Christians to stand up and be a testimony in this dark world. So the angels were bright in appearance. Like people, they possess the essential elements of personality. So angels are not its or things. They're individuals that possess the essential elements of personality. Intellect, emotion, will, the power of self-consciousness. In other words, the angels are aware of themselves. They have the ability to look into the future and plan an intelligent course of action. In Scripture, the angels are referred to as the sons of God in the book of Job. The watchers in the book of Daniel, and of course, angels in several passages of the Word of God. The first appearance of specific names of angels comes from the prophet Daniel. The first appearance of specific names of angel, angels comes from the prophet Daniel. He refers to Gabriel and to Michael. Say it with me today. Say Gabriel. Come on, you got to say it like it's Gabriel. 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 And Michael. Gabriel and Michael. 
These are the only two angelic beings given proper names in the word of God. The name Gabriel means mighty one of God or hero of God. Wherever this angel appears, he seems to always be delivering special messages to special people. To Daniel, Gabriel resembled a man. He referred to him as simply a man. And his role in his life with the prophet was to explain a prophetic vision. The second time he appears to Daniel, it is said he came to the prophet in swift flight. So that statement seems to suggest that angels have wings. Though this isn't clearly stated here in this verse, there are other passages in the Bible where it states clearly that some angels do have wings, as recorded in Ezekiel chapter 1 and verse 11. So that idea about angels is actually accurate. You sometimes see these pictures of angels, and they, it seems like this goofy idea, and it doesn't seem realistic. But the truth is, some angels do have wings, according to Scripture. The Bible says in Daniel 10 and verse 18, Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. So the prophet was visited by this angel during a dark time in his life. He gave him strength. Though we are not angels, we too can visit our Christian brothers in time of need. We are to encourage one another. We are to build up each other, to edify. What happens, since you're not saying amen, you should have said amen, is that so often we find fault. So often we criticize. So often we play the role of the three friends of Job. Job was being tested, I'm coming for you, for a hard time in life. God was trying to prepare him, not because of sin, not because of iniquity, but because God had a high calling for his life. And what happens sometimes with believers is we accuse one another when we don't know the whole story. A person is not always going through because they are in sin. Sometimes people are going through because God's trying to refine them and elevate them to a new level of spiritual growth. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 17 and verse 3, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tries the heart. So just as gold refines, um, I'm sorry, fire refines gold, it is God who refines you and I. And he does it through persecution. He does it through opposition. He does it during dark times in life. It is God who refines us during the difficult times in life. Job said it this way, I look to the right hand, he's not there. I look to the left and he is not there. But when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. So there are times we are being refined by God to be used in a special way. So what am I saying? Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Let's stop finding fault. Come on, let's stop being self-righteous. We don't need any more Pharisees and Sadducees. This is 2019. Get in the spirit and pray for one another. Get in the spirit and uplift one another. Get in the spirit and worship God with each other. Let's stop finding fault and let's begin to encourage each other. So the Bible says that this angel visited Gabriel to strengthen him during a difficult time. The apostle Paul challenged Timothy, a young pastor, to live and to minister according to the biblical principles in light of the fact that he was being observed by God in the holy angels. We see that recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 5 in verse 21. Paul tells Timothy in his text, I charge thee before God in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the elect angels, that thou observe these things 
without preferring one another, doing nothing by partiality. So what's the practical application for today? Here's the truth. Just as Paul challenged Timothy, we too should live our lives with this reality in mind. I am being watched by God and the holy angels. There is a heavenly host that's observing my life each and, day, each and every day. That God consciousness should cause an awakening. As a matter of fact, those who have studied the awakening revivals in our church history, one of the marks of the Great Awakening was a God consciousness. There was an overwhelming reality that, that got into their minds that says, you know what, there is a God, and he is watching over me each and every day. That truth should put the fear of God in your spirit. For the Bible says in Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are two divisions of angels. Just as there were two angels given proper names, Gabriel and Michael, there are also two divisions of angels, the cherubim and the seraphim. The cherubim seem to be involved in protecting and defending positions. These were the angels who were placed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, So he drove out the men, and he placed them in the east of the Garden of Eden, the cherubims. And a flaming sword was turned everywhere to keep the way of the tree of life. So the cherubim are seen in a vision also by Ezekiel, the prophet. And it is likely that they are the same creatures seen by John in the book of Revelation. So you have these protecting or defending angels. The seraphims, on the other hand, were angels who were worshiping and praising God. As a matter of fact, the name means burning, and it speaks of their burning devotion for God. Now, we are not seraphims, but you and I should also have a burning devotion for God. We should have a praise in our spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2, Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. And with twine he covered his face, and with twine he covered his feet, and with twine he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of thy glory. So as you think about the seraphims and their praise and worship for God, there should be something in your spirit that says, God, I thank you for giving me another day. Lord, I thank you for the clothes that are on my back. I thank you for the family you have given me. There should be a praise in your spirit. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, since you want to say amen, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. If there is breath in your lungs, that's a reason to give God praise. If you have food on your table, that's a reason to give God praise. Each and every day is a gift from God. So one of the chief activities of angels is to praise and worship God. Now, ladies, you do well with this. Sometimes the men struggle with this. We think that worship and praise is emotion. It's far deeper than that. It's far deeper than that. It is a spiritual activity that gets the attention of God. Read your Bibles. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, they begin to praise and worship God, and the enemy got confused and killed each other. Worship is warfare, brother. It is not emotion. It is warfare. So when we, when we praise and worship God, there is something that happens in the spirit realm that you and I cannot see. So praise and worship is warfare. Now, 
That was your crash course on angels. You owe me $20, send it to my account. My name is Percy. I'm joking about that. Don't send me anything. But now, you know, angel means messenger. Quick review. Angel means messenger. We have two specific angels by name, Gabriel and Michael, and two divisions of angels, the seraphims and the cherubims. The cherubims were defending angels, and the seraphims were worshiping angels. Now, why is that important today? What is the practical application behind these spiritual realities? Let me say something also about the angels. There seems to be a close relationship between the stars and the angels. The Bible does seem to give evidence of some relationship between the stars and the angels. The Hebrew word for stars is sometimes used in the Old Testament passages in a personal way, such as one singing or one fighting. So I believe, my conviction is, God, by God's design, the countless millions of stars visually betray the countless millions of holy angels. I really believe that. I'm going to say that again. By God's design, the countless millions of stars visually portray the countless millions of holy angels. In other words, when you look into the sky, you see those stars, it tells you there's something far beyond that. There is a, something the Bible calls the third heaven, and the, star, the stars in the sky are a visible representation of the holy angels of God. That should encourage you each day when you're driving in your car. That should encourage you each day as you live your life, that we have Jesus, but we also have the holy angels. Now, how do angels practically minister to the saints today? How do angels minister to the saints today? First of all, the Bible teaches that the angels guard believers. The Bible teaches that the angels guard believers. I am a firm believer that there are angelic beings around the Pacific Guard Mission. I don't care what anybody says. There is no way. Each and every day, we come there, four or 500 people, different backgrounds, and the lack of chaos we have, there has to be something going on behind the scenes. There is an angelic host there, but unfortunately also with the angelic host, there are also some demons too. You know that, right? Okay? They visit as well, unfortunately. They're there. So it's a reality. There are several verses in the Bible that support the idea of guardian angels. There are several verses in the Bible that support the idea of guardian angels. For example, 1 Kings 19 and verse 5, Psalms 91 and verse 11, and Daniel chapter 6 and verse 22. It's possible that each believer has a specific angel. It's possible. I'm not saying that's the case. That's possible. I don't know that. It's possible that each believer has a specific angel assigned to him, or, or, I'll make this clear, or this could mean that angels carry out a general ministry to the saints by representing them before God. So at the very least, we know that the angels do have a ministry before God in helping the saints. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and verse 10, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. The Bible also says in Psalms 91 and verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee 
in all thy ways. So the angels have a ministry in protecting the saints. Secondly, practical application. Angels can be used by God to help deliver people from death and danger. I believe in this. Angels can be used by God to deliver people from danger and from death. I would assume today there are some people who have had near-death experiences. You don't know how you got that car crash. Let me help you out. God helped you get out that car crash. You don't know how that bullet missed you. Let me help you out. God let that bullet miss you. There are times when God had angels there. We didn't see them, but they helped pre pre prevent a premature death assignment against you. And the Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse 22, my God has sent his angel, and he has shut the lion's mouths, that they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocence was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So there are times when angels have been responsible from saving believers from death. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which were the sect of the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. That was why they were sad, you see. Okay, I'm sorry. I was hoping somebody laughed at that. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. Pastor laughed at it. Amen. Amen. The Sadducees. And they were, I got that from Pastor Phil, so blame Pastor Phil for that one. Amen. And they were filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison door and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So the Bible is clear in the Old and New Testament. There were times when God sent angels to protect the saints from a premature death. Now, I can look back. I don't have time. We're out of time. But there were several times in my life when there was a death assignment and God got me out of it. There were car crashes, there were bullets that came my way, and there's no doubt in my mind that God visited me on those days. Amen. So angels can be used by God to prevent a premature death assignment. Thirdly, the holy angels were used by God to provide encouragement and strength. Everyone here today needs encouragement and needs strength. There is a depression that people face, times it is very real and very demonic. It is not always clinical. Okay, amen. It's not always the case. There, that, there are times that is the case. I understand that. I believe in that. I get it. But there are times when it is demonic. and It is something spiritual at you. It's an attack. There are times we are under attack. And so we need God to provide encouragement and strength. During a tough time in the ministry of Elijah, he was visited by an angel, and the angel gave him food and water. He was so discouraged that he wanted to die. And discouragement is a very real, real weapon Satan uses against the people of God. Discouragement is a very real weapon that the devil uses against the people of God. He likes to get us depressed and to feel heavy in our spirits. The Bible talks about in Isaiah a spirit of heaviness. But the Bible also says how to lift up that spirit of heaviness. 
the Bible says the garment of praise will lift the spirit of heaviness. In other words, when you are heavy, give God a high praise. When you are heavy, say, God, you are good. When you are heavy in your spirit, there is something about acknowledging God that makes that spirit uncomfortable. Here's why. The demons know exactly who God is. We sometimes get confused. They're not confused. Amen. They know exactly who God is. So when you begin to call on the name of Jesus, they get uncomfortable. When you begin to praise God and get into God's presence, they know that God can go to work on your behalf. So I want to encourage you, no matter what you're going through, God is always good. No matter how bad it may seem, God is yet in control. And sometimes we need a word of encouragement. Let me speak real quick from the prophet Habakkuk. This prophet was going through a tough time in life, and he made the decision to praise God no matter what happened. The Bible says in Habakkuk, I've been preaching 14 years. I don't know if I'm saying it right or not. I'm, I don't, it don't matter. Whatever. Verse 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall not fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flocks shall be cut off from the folds, and there shall be no herds in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The prophet is saying this, I don't care if everything goes wrong, God is still good. I don't care if I lose my job. I don't care if my car breaks down. I hope that don't happen, by the way. But if it does happen, God is still good. And we need to get to a point in our lives when we say, you know what, God, you're good in spite of what I'm going through. So God provides encouragement and strength. We, too, as believers, can be used by God to provide encouragement and strength for each other. You and I also have that ministry. A kind text message goes a long way. A simple phone call goes a long way. Speak kind words. Let's stop judging each other. Let's stop acting like we're God. Amen, somebody. The last time I checked, there are three in heaven, not four. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're not part of that, okay? Let's stop playing God. There is none righteous, the Bible says. I'm coming for you. There's none righteous. No, not one. I don't care how holy you think you are. I've been, I don't care if you've been in church for 80 years. You still got sin in you, okay? We need to stop this self-righteous Christianity that runs people out of the church, that runs people out of the house of God. All of us are in need of God's grace. All of us are in need of God's mercy. All of us are in need of God's forgiveness. I don't care who you are, you need God to forgive you. You need God to help you. There's not a person in this room, including me, that's beyond God's grace. And, and, as a matter of fact, the closer you get to God, the more sinful you see you really are. The closer you get to God, the more you see how sinful you really are. The prophet Isaiah had a vision of God. And when he saw that vision of God, he did not say to himself, look at how holy I am. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. You see, the closer you get to God, the more you read your Bible, the more you pray, the holier you get, the more you see how far you are from God's grace. So if you're here today feeling real good about yourself, there's a good chance you're not as close to God as you think you are. 
Amen. So she won't say amen. Amen. God's grace, perfections, and power and standard is so high, we all have a long way to go. We all have a long way to go. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Bible clearly presents the holy angels as worshipers, messengers, those who carry out God's bidding and assist his people. They have many responsibilities in relation to people. Delivering from danger, delivering messages from God, observing human affairs, protecting God's people, providing strength and encouragement for special servants, and at times executing divine judgment. We have whole bookshelves on demons, Satan, and the occults. But very little was written about the holy angels. As a matter of fact, try to find a book about one. It's going to be a hard find. Thousands of people have testified to the experience of, I'm sorry, to having experiences with divine beings. The depression that some people experience today in the world is very real and in some cases demonic and satanic in nature. The Bible says in John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So what am I trying to say today? Therefore, it is time, this is the purpose of this whole message, it's time for Christians to major on the positives of the Christian faith. It's time for Christians to major on the positives of the Christian faith. I am so tired of Christians making Christianity seem like a list of do's and don'ts. Now that I'm a Christian, I can't do this, and I can't do that. Get that off your head. Let's major on the positives of Christianity. And this is a positive. God's angels are watching over you. God's grace is sufficient for you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The Bible is clear that in one night, one angel slew over 185,000 Assyrians. In one night, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrians. It is no wonder the Bible says that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me thou wilt condemn. What am I trying to say today? I want to encourage you today that you have Jesus and you also have the holy angels. And as I've said before, when you have Jesus, you have Matthew's Messiah, Mark's suffering servant, Luke's son of men, John's son of God, the power behind the acts of the apostles, Roman salvation, Corinthians love, Galatians, he is our freedom, Ephesians, he is my peace, Philippians, he is the joy while we are in prison. When you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. When you have Jesus, you have Abraham's friend, Isaac's substitute, Jacob's silo, Abraham's friend, Moses' rod, David's song, Miriam's shepherd, you have everything that you need. So as we close today, we thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also thank God for the ministry of the holy angels. Praise God for his word. And we thank him most importantly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the Bible says, for by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. Let's take this time now and close in prayer, and I'll turn the pulpit over to Pastor Allen. Father God in heaven, Lord, we come today to your throne of grace in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for this message on the reality and work of the holy angels. So we think about Michael and Gabriel, the seraphims and cherubims, the heavenly hosts. The Bible says that they minister to the saints, protecting from danger, delivering divine messages, and encouraging during times of depression. It is our prayer that this week, as we face the realities of life, that we will be encouraged by the reality that we have the Lord Jesus, but we also have the ministry of the holy angels. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. We pray that we will be strengthened in our faith. We pray we will be encouraged to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know, our labor is not in vain in the Lord. This we do pray by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.